Hello, hello, hello. I'm Matt Williamson. This is the Locked On NFL Podcast. I am a former college recruiter slash scout and NFL uh, scout for the Browns. I was at ESPN for 10 years. I've been doing a bunch of freelance writing and all sorts of good stuff on a national level, as well as a um, one of the main, one of the several of us that do Steeler Nation Radio and we have a regular show with those guys as well, which has been a blast. Um, we are brought to you by my bookie, and I will tell you about them in a moment. Um, you will use the promo code Locked On for them, and you will be happy about it. So I just pulled up my bookie, and tomorrow I will look at my bookie, and we will pick every game straight up and against the spread. There's some good ones, no doubt. Tonight is not a good one, but I will watch it because that's what I do. Um, Denver at Indy. Colts are getting two and a half. I struggled to come up with much to talk about on this one. I mean, these are teams that are really in the doldrums, and this game has more draft ramifications than it does, you know, uh, interest for the playoff world or going forward. Bad quarterback play. Brissett's been under so much pressure lately. I think he's a shell-shocked player at this point. And I would think that pressure keeps up, you know, that Denver should really be able to get after him. Uh, They leaned on Gore very heavily last week, but that was in a crazy snow game. But I would think Mack gets involved too, and they would try to, you know, hopefully a low-scoring close game that you would hope to run the ball a high percentage of the time in this one. Um, I don't think Hilton gets free against those really good Denver corners. Uh, I do think Jack Doyle becomes a feature player. Um, People... Tight end teams attack the Broncos as much as any defense in the league with the tight end. So, you know, I I know that some of you guys are obviously big time fantasy players. Jack Doyle, I don't think, is a bad option for you. On the other side, I think Demarius Thomas is a really good option. Again, I don't trust the quarterback play. I think CJ Anderson's a really good option. I think those two will produce well. Um, Again, bad Colts defense, a lot of injuries for the Colts. Secondary is a nightmare. Emmanuel Sanders is interesting. And I'm not just talking about this from a fantasy perspective, but um, I do know some of you guys are in your deep into your playoffs, though. Um, Sanders, to me, has not looked healthy. And I'm not sure why they keep trotting him out there at this point either. I mean, I'm sure he wants to play, but I'm not sure what they're gaining by that. He doesn't look the same. Demarius has clearly been the number one. I don't think the Colts get a lot of pass rush in this game. I think Anderson, sort of like the Gore-Mack conversation, stays close, you know, is able to keep in a close game, is able to get a lot of carries. Um, I am going to pick the Broncos, and I will lay the two and a half on the road. I mean, I'm wondering what kind of crowd we're going to see. But um, this is also sort of fantasy-related. There's a couple fantasy things today, which is unusual for me, but it's kind of a coincidence. I didn't set it up that way. But you guys are, and a lot of you guys are in your fantasy playoffs. But I urge all of you to go to Roto World, and Evan Silva has great matchup column every week. and He's been doing that for a while. But Rich Rebar does as well, and his comes out a little earlier in the week. There are a lot of facts and stats. And because I was hurting for things to talk about in this game, I went and looked at his article, and there was a couple numbers that really jumped off the page that I didn't realize. I mean, so, you know, who, in this game, Colts and Broncos, you would think 
the Colts are allow way more points per game, wouldn't you think? I mean, their defense is much worse than the, the great Denver D. Not true. The Colts do allow the most points per game, 27.5 in the league. Denver's next. They're 31st in the league in points allowed per game. Now, it's a almost it's more than a point a game better than Indy. It's 26.2. But these are the two worst teams in the league in allowing points. I mean, to me, that's a really bad reflection on Denver's special teams, um, offense, ability to take the ball, you know, and a lot of different things. But still, I mean, you would never think that going into the season, only one team in the league would allow more points per game than Denver Broncos. Um, another interesting stat that are uh, between these two that are very, very similar, that opponent pass percentage is second and third, respectively. So people are throwing on these guys. Opponent run percentage is second and last, second and third to last in the league, respectively. So teams are throwing against Indy almost 54% or, or 53.7% of the time, and they're running at 50, 46% of the time. So I, I screwed that up. So what that means is people are running on these teams consistently, you know, which means that, you know, the Colts and the and Denver have not had leads this year. Only one team in the league is worse in allowing people to run on them from a percentage standpoint. Uh, a couple other little notes that I pulled from Rich's column that I'm just going to read verbatim that I think are interesting, and none of them are good, really. Colts, the Colts ranked dead last in league yards per play. You know, we talked about uh, points per game. They're last in yards per play, and Denver is 31st. <laughs> this is talking about offense, though. I'm talking about Colts offense ranked dead last in the league at yards per play, 4.6, while the Broncos ranked 31st, 4.7. So two of the worst, the two worst offenses in the league on a yards per play basis. Indianapolis ranks last in the league in touchdown conversion rate in the red zone, while Denver ranks second to last. A lot of the stats about being last and second to last. Denver has just two pass plays of 40 or more yards in the season. Worst in the league. The Colts are the only team in the league with fewer red zone touchdowns than games played this season. They only have 12 red zone touchdowns. Boo. The Broncos are allowing 16.5 passing yards per possession, which is second in the league. That's the only good stat I've read yet. Jacksonville's number one. Jacoby Brissett is averaging 19.1 passing yards per drive. Last among all quarterbacks. Okay. So I told you I was going to tell you about my bookie. Um... Holiday cash, you need it, and I know where to get it. My bookie is a place to score serious cash on your sports predictions. Believe it or not, I'll help you with those tomorrow. And just did with this now. Take Denver. Believe it or not, the holidays are just around the corner, and while that means plenty of parties, gifts, and spending, it also means there's a lot of football, basketball, and hockey games that you can score big on every day. College bowl season's coming as well. Man up and play like a pro on game day. You can make the money line, side, or total. My bookie is your hookup for all your betting needs and offers super fast payouts when you win. 
When you bet, it's just important on who you're betting on. And if you want to make money betting the games, you got to go to mybookie.ag. They're the only site I'd recommend. I trust them, but you don't have to take my word for it. Check them out for yourself. They have odds on every matchup and a mobile site that makes wagering on your smartphone a breeze. Join now and MyBookie will match your deposit with up to a 50% bonus. So that's free money. Use my promo code, or all our promo codes, locked on, to activate the offer. Visit MyBookie.ag today. Use the locked on promo code. You play, you win, you get paid. Twitter questions here in a moment. But I had mentioned to you that I was going to do something with a little bit of a fantasy spin. Um, for you that aren't aware, Ryan McDowell and I host a, another podcast, Dynasty Blueprint, once once a week. And it's all based on fantasy, but dynasty. I mean, it's long-term. You don't cash your team in at the end of the year. You draft rookies every year. For those of you who aren't familiar with dynasty, to me, it's upper-level, clearly, um, fantasy play. Where, you know, like if you're if you're out of it at this point... You're trading your old dudes for draft picks and rebuilding. I mean, so we had a great guest on, who's a, and I urge you to check that podcast out too. Because even if you're not a, a, a fantasy or a dynasty player, the overlap, as you'll see with this conversation, is very strong just towards NFL fandom. And you know, um, but we had a great an- running back analyst on the past two episodes. And so I made my list, uh, and I put it on Twitter, and I'm reading it off to you guys because it got such strong feedback that um, I thought we'd just talk this way too. And so what I did was I made my my running back um, dynasty rankings, and I just did the top 18, and I'll count them down to you quickly. So, like, LaShawn McCoy is not on this list. So you got to think two things if you're not, not sure of the criteria here. Some of you guys have played Dynasty know exactly what I'm talking about. But age is very important. Long-term situation has some importance, obviously. Um, Injury history, suspension history, those kinds of things are important. And for any fantasy, you know, situation, fantasy points is more important than how good a player he is. But obviously there's a direct correlation. Like, I'll get to him in a minute here, but I have McCaffrey at... 12 on my list and in the real world I might take him earlier than that but I just don't think he's going to be a big touchdown producer so it doesn't mean that he's a lesser player or I don't think he's going to have a great career or you know but um, you got to think about through a fantasy lens as well but this gives you an idea of basically what how I value the running backs going forward and if you included a guy like Saquon Barkley, he'd be in like the top two or three, you know, and just to give you a quick little antidote, I took over, it was like three years ago, I took over an awful dynasty team and the owner left, there was a position open, hey, do you want this this team? It's terrible, terrible. Um, so I went through the first year, lost a lot of games, traded off all my old dudes and with the first pick in the draft, I, because I was the worst team, I took Todd Gurley. Still had a really rough year. Next year, first pick in the draft, took Ezekiel Elliott. Made some trades for future first-round picks. Ended up with Leonard Fournette this year, even though my team was good, you know, after two years. I So right now I have Fournette, Elliott, and Gurley for as long as I want to keep them. I had two really rough years, but my team's undefeated. <laughs> I mean, just to give you an idea. And I've made other good moves, and I have other good guys on my team. 
Um, so that just gives you an idea, though. I mean, it's a rebuild project, and it's been a lot of fun, and now I'm reaping the rewards. As we speak, I have not lost a game yet in this league. So, 18, Kenyon Drake. I've really come around on this guy as a talent, as a feature back, as a receiver. 17, Ingram. Age hurts him a little. You know, I mean, it, situation hurts him a little, but he's obviously been crazy productive this year. 16, Melvin Gordon. I like him. I just don't think he's a special player. I mean, I think he's fine. He will produce. He's consistent. But I think they'll be smart to use the Ecular, uh, you know, situation and have a number two that has some prominence with him. Uh, 15 is Hyde, somebody I've been really high on for a long time. Used to hate his situation. He's a free agent at the end of the year. The Niners bring him back. That's what has me excited. Or maybe, you know, the Browns let Crowell go and they they grab him. Or I think he'll be pretty well sought after this, this free agency period. And if I'm the Niners, I think I keep him around, which with Jimmy and the nature of that offense, I think could really produce fantasy numbers going forward. I have Henry at 14. You guys have heard me complain over and over. He should be the lead back in Tennessee. I think that'll happen next year. I don't know. I mean, he is not producing. This is all speculation. You know I mean? he's There's a lot of guys out there producing better than Henry right now for fantasy. But I think his time has to come. Howard's kind of boring. But that's fine. He's consistent. I got to think he's at 13 for me. I got to think that they improve their offense with actually some wide receiver weapons. And what if Allen Robinson ends up there? I mean, that helps Howard a lot. It's going to help him keep staying games. He's a good player. I mentioned McCaffrey at 12. Like him a lot. Um, I look at these from a PPR perspective. That was hard to say for there for a minute, which doesn't help a guy like Howard. Um, but McCaffrey's going to catch a ton of balls. He, I just don't know how many touchdowns he's going to score. I really like the player as well. Um, Freeman is 11 for the Falcons. Devontae Freeman. I don't know what I'll say about him. He's been really, really good. Um, he's signed to a long-term deal. He's in a good situation. A lot of you probably are thinking he should be higher on this list, and I understand that, but there's just a wealth right now of really good young running backs that you're going to be hearing that I'm about to spit out. Another one that might shock you is Jay Ajayi. I have him at 10. That's probably higher than everyone else does. I do worry about his long-term knee situation a little bit. Remember, he came in the league with banged-up knees. And the Dolphins gave up on him, but now it looks like they might have given up on him to really pave the way for, for Drake. I think Ajayi stock as a player, as a fantasy asset, is about to go crazy after this Wentz injury. I think it's going to be his show from here on out. And he's a really good He's a good back, man. Mixon at nine. Um, I got to think that Cincinnati add, helps their offensive line this offseason. Great talent. Kareem Hunt at eight, and I was torn between those two, but Hunt's in a much better situation. He's been high, much, much more productive than Mixon thus far, but I think Mixon's the better player. Cook at seven, Dalvin Cook from the Vikes. I mean, what's not to like there? He's going to go right past McKinnon and Murray when he comes back. I think he has a chance to be a total star. Uh, Kamara at six. That might even be kind of low. I mean, he is a great player, but I don't think Ingram's going away. And I just don't know that he's going to, on a per-touch basis, I don't know that he can keep up this insane production. Uh, I got Fournette at five. He always seems to be a little banged up, and he's battling something now as well as the, the ankle that's been looming for three years or two years. Great situation. 
I think, you know, that offense will probably add some more pieces this offseason too, but he will still be featured. They're always going to play low-scoring games, you know, stud talent. Lev Bell at four. You would think that he would be one, but he's had injuries. He's had suspension. He's had crazy amounts of workload. And to me, he looks like 98% of what he did last year. You know, and if if a year from now he looks like 95% of what he did, you know, maybe he hit his apex. And it's a very, very high apex. And I think he's the best back in the league. He's also a free agent after the year. So if you're investing in him for your fantasy team, there are red flags. But obviously, you know, you're loving him for the short term more than any of these guys. I got Zeke at three. His suspensions worry me, but that's it. I mean, he no one else is going to get carries in Dallas when he's healthy. And he's got a great line that's locked up for the long term. You can make the argument he's won. And I still think his receiving numbers are on the horizon. I have Gurley at two. A lot of it's because of his receiving numbers. It made him a great receiving option for fantasy reasons and a good receiver in the real world. In this offense, Goff, you know, I mean, everyone's young. The best is ahead of what should be a great offense for years and years to come. Still think he's going to be the bell cow. And out of sight but out of mind, David Johnson is my number one dynasty running back. Don't forget how awesome he is. I mean... I think he's even a better receiver than Bell. I think he is a big play threat, a short yardage threat, an awesome receiver, a great runner. I think Bell's a little bit of a better runner, but I think Johnson's a better receiver. Um, his situation, I guess, would worry me a little bit, though, too. So, you know, what's Arizona's offense going to be like next year when he returns? So I just want to do that. There's a little something different for you guys. Um, a little cross-promote the Dynasty Blueprint uh podcast as well and just kind of give you like a, a feel i did that on my own just for fun after those podcasts and figured i'd share that with you all right steven bounds actually this really correlates with just what we were just talking about is he asked just recently noticed how young isaiah crowell still is how good is he in a vacuum and what might his market be this offseason I think he would have been next on my dynasty list that I just said. But, I, you know, is he going to end up in Cleveland? What is his market going to be? I still think he's a really good player. And I think there's a lot of talent there. He's very young. I mean, surprisingly young. Um, I think he's a starting running back all day long. Does everything pretty well. Doesn't have an area that I think he absolutely excels. A free agent running backs, I prefer Hyde. But if I were... In the market for a guy like that, I wouldn't have any problem saying, you know, from the Lions. And I'm like, boy, I'd really like Hyde, but San Fran re-signed him and uh, Steelers franchise Lev. I'll take Crowell, yeah. Uh, speaking of Steelers, my man Adam Crawley from here in Pittsburgh has been a big stink. And I guess Bradshaw said some things about Tomlin. I've been asked a lot recently, where do you rank Tomlin among current coaches? Um... Near the top. I mean, Belichick is one. Uh, I think Tomlin's in the top five, for sure. Uh, Sean Payton's good. I mean, some of these established guys. Pete Carroll. I think Harbaugh's a really good coach in Baltimore. Um, But I think Tomlin's... Belichick sits alone. But I think Tomlin is very much in that conversation for next best. I don't think he's wonderful on game day. You know, uh, and 
but he's made good hires. He's worked well with quality organization. He interacts with the team and has a pulse of the team very, very well. Um, and his track record's strong, man. I mean, he's, <laughs> they have two losses and he's won a lot of games. I mean, uh, I think he takes too much heat. Okay, another question on Twitter Thursday. Um, Edgar Alandro asks, "How do you feel about the? How do you feel the Eagles will fare with Foles at quarterback? Are the Giants, Raiders, Cowboys a good measuring strip for whether he can continue the team's success into the postseason? Could he really be the the Eagles' Hostetler of the 1990 Super Bowl Giants? Um, that's maybe a little optimistic." But I did power ranks on Tuesday, took some heat for putting Patriots one, and if Wentz would, and I put the the Eagles eleven, I think. But if Wentz was still healthy, I would have them one. Not that's what you asked. I also just wrote an article that'll be out today for the score, addressing this much more thoroughly than we'll talk about. I mean, I, it's a very detailed article about what's next. I also mentioned early in the show that I think it's now Ajayi time. I also think that this supporting cast is about as good as you could ask for to withstand something like this. Um, I think you have to keep leaning on RPOs and easy throws. Foles worries me from a turnover standpoint. I mean, that he has to be a, a game manager, and at times he can certainly get away from that. Um, he takes a lot of big hits as well, and he does everything a lot slower and more deliberate than Wentz, and you're not going to see wild plays. But you could be a lot worse off at the quarterback position, and he goes behind a good line, good running game, good weapons, excellent defense. NFC is highly competitive, and with Wentz, I probably would have said that the Eagles are the favorite. Now I think they're sort of tied with Carolina, New Orleans, Minnesota, who also has a backup quarterback, if you recall. Seattle, Rams. I mean, that whole tier now is muddier. So they can. Um, I, I think it's an uphill climb. I think these next three games will be good because they're not super hard. And I do think Ajayi will put up big numbers. But can they beat Seattle, Carolina, and then New England to win it all? Um, <laughs> you know, I mean, that's, it's not going to be easy. I mean, that's not going to be easy. Um, who else do we got here? Why did the league flex the Pats and Steelers a Sunday night, says Bedo Book of Brummy? I don't know. Steelers went on primetime about a million times in the last two weeks, it seems like. Maybe that has something to do with it. I don't know. Um, don't know much of an answer for you there. All right, that is going to do it. A little mad at you guys. I mean, my Twitter following is awesome. There's quite a few of you uh, making it up. Usually we have great questions. We got as many questions as usual this week, and I only put out one little thing early this morning, and like half hour ago I just put one out to remind you guys. Um, so maybe not everyone saw them. But, and I understand that this is fantasy time, but when I ask for Twitter questions, I don't want, who should I start this week? This dude or this dude? Or... I'm in trouble. I might lose my playoff game. Please help me, Matt. No, no, no. And I know there's only two more weeks of fantasy, so there's only two more weeks of me crying about this. But Twitter Thursday is not for your fantasy questions, even though I did talk fantasy a little today because I was in the mood. Um, that's a wrap. 
Tomorrow we will pick games. Tomorrow's the best show of the week, in my opinion. Don't have many of them before the playoffs. Crazy. Three more games. Um, three more Fridays. And then the structure of the show will change a little bit. All right. Take care. We'll see you. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done.